Congregation, the text for the sermon of this morning is out of verses 49 and 50 of our scripture reading. So Luke 12, to verses 49 and 50, we read those verses again. That's what the Lord where, where the Lord Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth and wood of it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the passage of our scripture reading leading, on, leading up to our text of this morning, the Lord speaks, tells us some parables about faithful and unfaithful servants. And with those parables, the Lord teaches us that we should always be faithfully doing the task which the Lord gives us to do, whatever the task may be so that we are always ready for his return. And of course, when he talks about his return, he talks about the judgment that will take place on his return. So in, the, in these parables, the Lord speaks of judgment. We read about it in the verses 37 and 38, where he speaks about the reward of the faithful servants. And then only in the verses 46 to 48 about the punishment of unfaithful servant. And as a last warning, especially to his covenant people, the Lord said that much will be required from those who have received much. And no doubt, it is the love for his people which motivated the Lord to issue such warnings because he doesn't want anyone to perish. But if you think about it, it still sounds somewhat grim, frightening almost. From everyone who has been giving much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been, to whom has been entrusted much, much more will be asked. And even though we love our Savior, and we have a deep-seated desire to serve him. It is true that such warnings make us feel uneasy, a bit fearful even. We look at the many blessings that we receive every day, and, and then we look at our shortcomings and our sins. And we realize that regarding the Lord's requirements from us, we are not doing so well. So how will, that will, how will that go with us at that day, that judgment day, when we could feel some fear? Fear because we just looked at our own poor performance and we took our eyes away from the Lord Jesus Christ who is and will remain our Savior even on the day of judgment. We are ever people of little faith, aren't we? Now this morning we will be reminded again of our Savior's love for us. And this afternoon we will look not so much at the last judgment, but 
Op het judgment dat runs its course over the whole world. Ever since our Savior unleashed the gospel upon it. So we will this morning look at his love. As I preach the verses 49 and 50 to you, under the theme, the Lord displays his love as he reveals why he came into the world. The Lord displays his love as he reveals why he came into this world. And then we will meditate upon that love as the Lord reveals it, first in his purpose and his longing, and then secondly in his baptism and in, in his distress. So brothers and sisters, when we speak of why, of the purpose, the reason why the Lord came into the world, we could easily get somewhat confused. You see, the Lord has given more than once the reason why he had come into the world. He told us, just to name a few, that he came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he said that he came to reveal the Father. And then again he said that he came to call sinners to repentance. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to do the will of his Father. He came to save the world. He came to bear witness to the truth. And you, and you could probably make that list even longer. But the point is that one easily could get somewhat confused as why the Lord came into the world and the answer is actually not that difficult because the Lord came into this world to do all these things. Now it's of course not so that all those things, all those reasons he gave were just unrelated various tasks of the Lord. Now all those various tasks he just mentioned are very much related to each other. Because they all led, lead, led up to and serve the purpose he states in our text. Because our text is also one of those statements. I came to, he said, I came to cast fire upon the earth. And the emphasis is on fire literally said, fire I came to cast upon the earth. Well, here it is. Here the Lord gave that the great purpose of his coming into the world and the emphasis is on fire. And in the Bible, fire is often used to symbolize God's judgment. And also here we may understand this to be so. It is as if the Lord says, judgment I came to cast upon the earth. It's just like John the Baptist prophesied about him in Luke 3, verse 16 and 17, where he said, He who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, to clear his dressing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But a chaff he will burn in an unquenchable fire. 
So here in this prophecy too, you see that judgment is very prominent. You may probably say or think by yourself, but the Lord did all those great miracles. The blind received their sight, the deaf heard again, the lame walked, the lepers were healed, the dead were raised, and the good news was preached to the poor. Is that judgment? No, it's not. There's not judgment. When the Lord Jesus did all these things and preached to his people, it was not the time for judgment yet. It's also very obvious from our text because the Lord continued to say, he said, fire I came to cast upon the earth and would that, or how I wish that it were already kindled. All the miracles and the wonderful things he just mentioned are part of the preparation for it, for that fire that he came to cast upon the earth. So what is that fire of judgment that the Lord speaks about and of which John the Baptist prophesied when he said that Jesus would baptize them with the Holy Spirit, uh, with fire and the Holy Spirit? The answer to the question we find in, in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. There we read that the Lord, after he had suffered, died and rose again, said to his disciples, to his church, to his covenant people, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who will not believe will be condemned. There is no judgment again. Some people will be saved. Some people will be condemned. It's true that when we hear about judgment, we tend to think right away about the last and the final judgment on the day the Lord comes again. But we need to know and always keep in mind that the judgment on the last day is only the last and final phase of the fire of judgment that the Lord speaks about in our text. In John 9, verse 39, the Lord Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. And in John 12, verse 31, when the Lord Jesus speaks about his impending death, the Lord says, Now is the time for judgment of this world. And he was not speaking of the last judgment on the last day in these passages. <coughs> you see, brothers and sisters, the fire, the judgment that the Lord speaks about in our text began after he suffered and rose again. Just before he ascended into heaven, he commissions his church, his people, to go into the world and to preach the gospel to all nations. You read in Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, that the Lord told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they must go into the world and preach the gospel. Then they needed to go and spread that fire of judgment. The Lord speaks about in our text. 
every time while the gospel is being preached, judgment takes place also here this morning. Just as Simeon had prophesied it, when he stood there with baby Jesus in his arms, and, he, and then he said, Behold, this child is destined to call the fall and the uprising of many in Israel. The preaching of the gospel judges. Some people will stumble over it and fall, and others it raises up to a new life. So, brothers and sisters, every time the gospel is being preached to you, does it soften your heart? Does it open your eyes for the beauty and the love of your Savior? Or, and may God forbid it, are you a person who comes to church only out of habit? You grow up in the church. It's part of your comfort zone. And so, as you have done already so many times, you just sit through the sermon. Well, in the, main in the meantime, your thoughts turn to all kinds of other things. And then you go home, and you remember that, yeah, the church service lasted a little bit long, or it was too warm or too cold in the church, or maybe the organist played a little bit too fast or too slow, and, and the sound system acted up again. Remember that, but not much of what the sermon was about, not much of the gospel that was preached to you. You see, in this way, the gospel that has been preached to you is part of the judgment the Lord speaks about in our text. Because then you, leave, then you leave here harder and blinder than you were before you came into church. That's what the gospel does. It either softens your hearts, brings you closer to Christ, or it thickens the calluses on your heart. It makes you harder. That's what it does. Maybe you have done this already for so long that you're used to it. Come to church so long in that way. Just go along. Do what everybody else does. But what? If the Lord would take your soul this week. Much has been given to you. How about the much? that will be required of you. Now why, one could ask, does the Lord wish that this fire was already kindled? And how do we see the Lord's love in it? Well, first of all, because this is why the Father had sent him into the world, to kindle that fire and to send it into the world. But then in a close second, also because he loves your brothers and sisters, boys and girls. He loves his people. And the Lord uses this fire of the gospel preaching and the Holy Spirit to make judgment between believers and unbelievers. He uses the gospel to draw to himself all those from all times and all places 
who the Father has given to him, and he couldn't wait. He said, would that it were already kindled. He could not wait for he wants all of them to be with him. And yes, brothers and sisters, he was already thinking about you. Physical separation between him and you, his people, pains him. He desires to have you with him. Just listen to his prayer. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's why he said, would that that fire were already kindled. How I wish. Lord Jesus Christ, almighty and all-knowing, knows from eternity everyone who has been given to him. And he already then knew also every one of you who believe in him here this morning. He could not wait for that fire to be kindled. The fire that would bring him, bring you to him. <coughs> the fire that he would send throughout the earth to draw all people to himself. It's by this fire of the preaching of the gospel that he could gather you to himself, brothers and sisters. And I say it again, yes, he had you in mind. And he said this. And he uttered that wish that the fire was already kindled. so dear to him that in a text he wished that it would already been then. And he also knew that God the Father loves you too and he cannot wait to show you to his Father without spot and without wrinkle. This morning again that fire that burns in your midst. The question is does it warm you to him? That fire burning away some of the resistance that your old nature continues to hold on to. It could be that you sit here and actually come to the conclusion that although you're a faithful church member, you still have somewhat wandered away from him. Everything you do in your Christian life has become so formal. So much thing that you just do. And, but in the meantime, Jesus seemed to be so far away. You see, don't remember this. It is for you too. That the Lord already then wished that the fire of his gospel was already kindled and caused you to return to him. Like a father who longs for the return of a lost son or daughter. And again, may God forbid that the gospel doesn't touch you. It still leaves you cold. Don't any longer harden your heart. If you do not give your heart to him now, then this sermon will harden you more makes your blindness more severe. 
because also today this pair of this gospel judges. <coughs> this morning we are all here again and a whole week closer to the day that the Lord comes again for the final judgment. And on the day the fire of God's judgment will divide the believers from the unbelievers, divide the sheep from the goats. This morning we are another week closer to the moment that the Lord shall take his sheep home, but he will, it is also the same day that he will send the goats into the eternal lake of fire. Read Matthew 26. So one more time. Today the fire of God's, of the gospel burns brightly in our midst. And that is because the Lord loves you. And he used that, that fire of, of the gospel to draw you to himself. He uses it to soften hard hearts and to open the eyes to his goodness. This loving Lord is eager to save. Fire I came to cast upon this earth, and would that, how I wish it were already kindled. Now, why is this fire in our text not kindled yet, you know, in the time of our text? Now, that has very much to do with the Lord's love for us, brothers and sisters. We will see that in our second point, as the Lord displays his love, in his baptism and his distress. <clears throat> so why was the fire of the judgment-making gospel not kindled yet? Now we read it in verse 50. He said, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. Well, the Lord, what does the Lord mean with this baptism? The Lord means with the baptism is suffering and death and resurrection on behalf of his people. The fire of the gospel judges all people. But it could not be kindled and sent upon this earth before the Lord brought that great sacrifice for the sins of his people. Why? Because if the judging fire of the gospel would have been sent into the world before his baptism of suffering and death, it would have just hardened and so condemned all people, including those who were given to him by his father. No one no one by him or herself can stand under any judgment of God with a good outcome. Not even when it's called the gospel. That's why the Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does God, not no, not one. And the only way that those who are given to the Lord by his Father can receive the gospel, not as judgment, but as the good news, 
is when the Lord stands in the fire of God's wrath and judgment over their sin. This is why the Lord said that this fire was not kindled because there is no baptism that he must undergo. He must take the place of his people. If we hear the word, the word baptism, we, we probably think about John the Baptist. He baptized the people in the Jordan River by just submerging them in the water so that the water would co cover them completely. And then he held them up again. And so the Lord Jesus needed to be baptized not with water, but with the, with the fire of God's wrath and judgment over sin. All the waves and the billows of God's wrath over our sins as a flood of eternal fire and suffering needed to come upon him for the sake of us, his people. The wrath of God would burn upon him until it was completely burned out. Until broken bread and poured out wine were a true picture of him. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished and the Lord is not complaining but he shows us his, us his love again because even that dreadful distress that intense fear did not stop him did not for one moment make him hesitate because the very first three words of Verse 49, I have come, also count for this baptism, but also count for his distress, his fear. How he wishes that the fire was already kindled, and therefore I have come, my people, to be baptized with God's wrath over your sins. I have come to be distressed, so that you may cheerfully listen to the gospel. So that for you, my beloved people, this gospel is not the roaring flames of judgment, but the lovely sound of good news. The beautiful message. But there is no judgment for you, not now and forever. Brothers and sisters, does it move you that the Lord was in such terrible distress for, use, for your sake? He took your distress. He took your judgment because he knew that you would have perished under it and he loved you so much. Now the word distressed in our text also means pressed. And this meaning also applied to the Lord. From all sides, the Lord was pressed towards the baptism of his suffering, the baptism of God's judgment. His love to do the will of his father pressed him. The righteousness and justice of God pressed him. The sins of his people pressed him. His love for you and me pressed him. All these things pressed him, drove him irresistibly towards, towards the baptism of suffering and death that he had to be baptized with. How great is my distress until it is accomplished. And brothers and sisters, that distress then already so severe that he, that, he, that he talked about it, did not relent 
It increased. He is on his way to Jerusalem already in chapter 9, verse 51. We read that the Lord has set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem, to go to be baptized with a baptism. And he goes. And when he comes closer, we hear him cry out. And now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came into this hour. And still, that distress will become worse. Just listen. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And after that, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But your will be done. He learned obedience to what he suffered. All the way, all the way to my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And, the mo and this morning the Lord comes to you in his word. And he says as it were, oh my people, I came to suffer this distress. I came to let the waves and the billows of God's judgment against me cover me as a baptism. I came to be distressed until it is all completed. Oh yes, in our text. The Lord longed for that moment that it would be accomplished. Not because he wanted it done and over with. No, brothers and sisters, he looks forward to that moment. It is accomplished because then he may do that thing for which he came into the world. Then he may cast the fire of the gospel upon the earth so that it may go and set the whole world aflame. How I wish that it were already kindled so that I will bring my people to me from the east, from the west, from the north and from the south, and so that it may gather to me, that they may gather to me everyone that is given to me by my Father. So one more question. Brothers and sisters, young people, do you belong to him? Do you love him? Is this Jesus your Savior? You see, in spite of his distress over that baptism, with which he had to be baptized, he continued towards Jerusalem. And with him, he carried that deep desire to kindle that fire, to send it into the world. With him, he carried his distress, his fear. He continued to the cross and the grave. But then he continued to, for he rose from the dead, and so he accomplished it all. And this afternoon we will hear about the fire of judgment, the consequences of that. Amen.